0: Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hi, Sophie. How are we this morning? Very good. I slept in. I know, we spent the night together. Separately in different bedrooms, but together under the one roof. And we didn't wake up till
1: 7am, so we're feeling somewhat fresh, but we're going to keep this intro crisp, short, to the point, because our episode this week's a bit of a longer one, but I promise you it's worth every minute. This is potentially one of my, even though it's a somewhat heavy topic, one of my favourite episodes that we've recorded.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think... You don't have to have gone through a similar journey like La to understand I think any mother or any mother-to-be will get something out of this conversation. Yeah, now tell me highs and lows of your week. I'm going to keep it really short. I have one high and it was Fabulous. We went away to O'Reilly's Rainforest Retreat and we went in there with no expectations because our track record of family holidays <laughs> had been pretty miserable. <laughs> and everything went so smoothly. The girls went into Kids Club for a few hours. We had Yumi in the pram. We were going to dinner for the first night. She fell asleep as we were going to dinner, stayed asleep in the pram the entire time. I transferred her from the pram to the cot. She woke up at 6.30 singing a happy tune. We went on adventures with the kids. Honestly, that pram story is like something of wet dreams. dreams. That
1: is just.
0: I I think also having that thought that even when we went to dinner, we're like, we don't expect her to stay asleep. So everything that we downplayed, everything was amazing. Your
1: expectations of holidays are so low.
0: (laughs) And we were like, wow, this is brilliant. So then I came home and then the next day I went and had a little staycay with you. So I've had a really good week. So good. Yeah. I I don't really
1: feel like I've had any lows this week. I've had a great week. I'm having one of those peculiar weeks where I'm really obsessed with my kids. (laughs) Yeah. We actually
0: spoke about this last night and (laughs) we're both really fond of our children right now, which is bizarre. And it takes a lot for me, especially on school holidays, to be fond of all of my children, but especially Yumi. She has come out of this psycho-like developmental—we'll call it developmental. Everything's a developmental yeah, period, yeah. or the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, hers
1: was lasting a little bit too long. It was the moon,
0: <laughs> pretty extreme. So then we put it down to developmental. But yeah, so she is just talking a lot. She's really cuddly. She's just gorgeous, and the girls have been relatively well-behaved.
1: Yeah, I think I've just felt really grateful that we're in one of the only areas in Australia that hadn't gone into any form of lockdown. So I think I'm just like, okay, I'm grateful that, you know, I can do some things with my kids and we'll just go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Now,
0: any rude or fabulous or mum hacks this week? Do I ever. All right. This was sent in. I'm just going to read it from the start. Absolute gold for rude or fabulous. Hey, Sophie and Jade, absolutely love the potty. Of course (laughs) you'd
1: keep that part in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) New mum here living in the UK, missing Oz so much, had the best old person encounter yesterday, had to share, it would have been rude not to. Here we go. UK summer currently equals on and off glorious sunshine followed by torrential rain shower. Hours. My partner and I were sitting outside eating lunch at a coffee shop. The table next to us is an old guy in a mobility scooter eating his sandwich. Heaven's open and everyone on the high street is running for shelter in shops and undercovers. My partner grabs the pram and heads for a covered tunnel. I grab our plates, priorities, and meet him there. The street is empty minus poor old guy getting soaked, trying to gather his stuff in a fluster. I grab our umbrella, head over to shelter him while he gets under some cover. To my surprise, he says, Oh, thank you, stays put and carries on eating his sandwich. (laughs) I am now out in the rain holding personal cover to a man enjoying his lunch in his scooter for ten minutes while my partner (laughs) is in hysterical laughter (laughs) along with the rest of the public. Rude or fabulous? (laughs) It's fucking fabulous. (laughs) That is fabulous
1: i'm gonna let that man have it (laughs) good on you for being a good samaritan but what is it no good deed goes unpunished (laughs) (laughs) that's great now i've actually got a rudolph fabulous this week too so we're gonna skip the mum hacks today because my rudolph fabulous happened actually to me the other day i was wearing a face mask and it was kind of this like grayish tinge to it. So I put a face mask on, Nick was bathing the girls. I was like, I'm just going to put a face mask on and then I'll come help you like put them in their jammies and all that kind of thing. So I came out and Poppy goes to me, mom, what have you got on your face? And I was like, oh, it's like a face mask. It's for Mum's skin. And she goes, oh, it looks like you've got dirt on your face. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, it looks a bit like dirt. Anyway, I get her in her pajamas and I'm like, I'm just going to go wash it off. And she's like, okay. So I go and wash it off and I come back out and she goes, Mommy, Mommy, you missed some. And I said, oh, did I? Where did I miss some? And she's like, there and there. And I'm like, where? And she goes, under your eyes. (laughs) And I was like, no, darling, that's not face mask or dirt. That is just the dark bags under my eyes (laughs) from you little terrors. All right. That is absolutely fabulous. (laughs) Thanks, Pops. So, yeah, that is just like your kids keeping you bloody humble and honest. That's for sure. Yes. Now, before we launch in today's episode, I do want to say a bit of a trigger warning. We do speak about miscarriage and infant loss and we do semi-touch on themes of self-harm as well. So trigger warning if you would like to continue listening or not, but do you want to tell us what we're talking about today?
0: Yeah, so this episode, it was actually with a friend of mine, Lakshmi, and she took us on her journey behind motherhood and she spoke about her miscarriages. She also touched on separation with one of her partners, transition with you know relationships in that time how she manages that a whole lot of things so much, yeah. but she was so well spoken and we have said it before but we genuinely feel like this is one of our biggest most powerful episodes that we think we've we've had so far and we really hope everyone enjoys Hello, Lakshmi, and thank you
1: so much for joining us on Beyond the Bump today. Before we get started, are you able to just tell us a little bit about yourself and your gorgeous family?
2: Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, both of you, for having me on. So I'm Lakshmi, I'm 34, I live just out of Byron. I've got my partner, Jackson, and then I have my eight-year-old son, Illy, And my little seven month old boy, Harvey.
1: Amazing. And you are good friends with Jade. And we have
0: just met. Jade is here. (laughs) Thanks for joining us.
1: Hello, everybody. Hello,
0: Jade. (laughs) So, La, we'll call her La because it's easier for everyone. La was actually one of my first friends when I moved here to Byron. And I had Mia, who was six months, and Illy, who was around the same age. So, I've known her for the whole time that we've been here. But you've had quite a journey since then. And we would absolutely love for
2: you to share a little bit about some of it yeah so take it away yeah thank you okay so yeah I obviously fell pregnant with Illy about nine years ago I was 25 um, and it was to a different partner to who I have now looking back at that pregnancy I'm just like holy shit like I was so doe-eyed and that's a great thing because what I know now I'm just like I can't believe that way. I just skipped around through that pregnancy, just never knowing what could potentially happen. We fell pregnant so easily. I told everyone I possibly could from like probably three and a half weeks pregnant. It was just like, how, how are you? We're I'm we're pregnant. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's literally, I just was like, I'm pregnant. I'm having a baby. Like that's all there is to it. It never crossed my mind that things could ever go differently. Even though I knew that it just never felt like it would be my reality. So I had a textbook awesome pregnancy with him um, in saying that I I love being pregnant. Sorry. I know you guys both are like <laughs> you don't have the have GD queens over here. <laughs> you don't have to apologize. It's um, But, yeah, I, I just love it. I feel like it's the best state to be in. You've just got this like little secret of something that you're always doing. You just feel so kind of productive, even when you're doing nothing and you're driving along just going like, oh my God, this little thing is growing inside me. I just find it always so exciting. So I felt good. I just, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that. Had him, no complications, but his dad and I, um, we hadn't been together long to start with, I guess, when we got pregnant and He's an amazing father and I have nothing but good things to say about him, but obviously we all know when you do have a baby with someone, it really shows up everything, you know. It's like you suddenly are, you have a job together, like you, you go yeah. to work together suddenly <clears throat> and before that your partner comes home and they like whinge about their day and you're like, oh, sounds so annoying. And then you have a baby with them and you're like, oh, maybe you're the annoying one. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of see why they were annoyed at you now.
1: Did you ever see that, I guess, when you were pregnant or before you got pregnant as your reality? Was there ever like a doubt in your mind
2: about that? My only doubt came from the fact that we hadn't known each other long, but The qualities I knew him to have, I always thought no matter what, I know he's going to be a really amazing father. And I guess, you know, we all just want to be positive and think the best is going to happen. So I didn't feel super worried, but I guess I felt so like a natural, I hate this word, like a natural mother or whatever, but I felt really easy in that role. And I felt like it was something I could do with or without someone, not that I wanted to do it without them, but Mm. I felt like I was capable. So yeah, it showed up a lot of things. I think in that early stage as well, you know, you have a lot of ideals of what you think will happen and possibly we didn't actually have conversations we should have of what we actually were going to expect from each other. And yeah, I guess he was a bit more conventional in his approach than what I had thought he would be, and that was quite difficult for me. And, yeah, cracks appeared quite quickly, and when Illy was nine months we decided to separate. We have co-parented now for eight years since then, and I could probably count on one hand the amount of times we've had an issue. Like he's an amazing dad. He's never ever kind of missed a weekend or bailed on him in any way. He's been constantly there, a constant present, constantly loving. Illy sees us both as his just absolute, you know, equal Mm -hmm. parent counterparts. And Nick is Nick, that's... Sorry, another Nick. Oh my Nick. gosh. Oh, wow, we've got <laughs> a problem.
0: Nick
2: Nick. Not my Nick. Illy's Nick. So, okay. ex Nick. Ex Nick.
1: Yeah, if Nick. For anyone who doesn't know, if you're a new listener, Sophie, me, my husband's name is Nick. Jade's husband's name's Nick, but we call him Harry, and we'll call yours ex
0: Nick. Ex Nick. Good.
2: So, yeah, we got that um, I don't even know where I was going with that, but ex Nick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's really good at taking on board anything that i felt strongly about so like you know whether that was screen time when he was really little or around sugar or um just routines or anything so he was super receptive to that and we've managed to co-parent really amicably we always do drop offs we come inside we chat it was really important to me from the start that like i was not going to not get along with him yeah. like no matter what which I is was a pretty big
0: thing when you're separating was it amicable
2: No. And there was probably a lot more hurt emotion on his side. So at the start, I think it's really hard to throw that in the mix with trying to parent still, because it's very hard to keep those things separate, which I felt like was the key. We needed to keep separate our upset with each other and how we were parenting Mm. really. And so whenever those would cross over, kind of probably coming from him more at that time because he was in a pretty emotional state, I just was very clear and very calm and very quick to be like, I'll call you later, we'll talk about it later. Like I just was not going to have any of it.
1: And how did you know, because, I mean, Illy was still very young at Mm. that stage, how did you know the difference between like, oh, fuck, we're in the trenches, Mm. like You know, because you have those feelings when you've got a young child or young kids where you're kind of like, oh, this is a tough season but it's going to pass. How did you kind of know the difference between Mm. this is a season and no, this isn't,
2: there's no repair there, like this is done? Yeah, totally understand and that was something that probably took a few months to really become clear on and that was a big part of the decision I came to was that I felt, yep, I could probably stick in here for a bit longer, but I really couldn't see that it was going to have the longevity that I wanted it to have and I just thought there's no point in breaking up when Illy is two or three. Mm. I mean that's, you know, obviously things could have changed, but that's how I felt. There's no point breaking up when he's two or three. I would rather do it now. I really think the things that we've now kind of brought to this relationship and the ways we've hurt each other are a little bit irreversible. And so even though we had those differences in our parenting, it just felt like we've kind of done so much damage here that I just don't see us coming back from it. And we could patch it for a little while longer, but I just, you know, my parents put up when I was four and that's fine. But I was just like, I would rather do it the earlier, the better so that he just knows this is his normal Mm. and get this all settled and done.
1: Was there a part of you that wanted to stick around at all to like, have more kids or did you feel in you that you were like, oh, I do feel like I'll meet someone else and have kids Mm. with
2: them? Or were you just happy with one child? I always knew I wanted more kids. And that's a good question. I remember probably a few months after we had broken up and I was talking to another single mother at Circus Arts, a place in Byron, and she was saying that her and her partner had split up, but they decided to have another child together wow. just so their siblings <laughs> share the same week, yeah, yeah DNA. And I was like, could I like <laughs> 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 maybe do based DNA stuff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I couldn't.
1: Wow. <laughs> with a sheet between, yeah, you or yeah. yeah. a bag on each, could, like
2: a mediator in the room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's called a
1: threesome.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: You dirty girl. <laughs> is that what that is? <laughs> Sounds therapeutic. Yeah, it does. All <laughs> um, creepy.
2: So, yeah, I guess it was just like that's just par for the course, that yeah. you don't know where that's going to lead you in terms of other siblings, but I could only do what was right at the time. Um and him being, yeah, nine months old when we split up, it didn't feel like a good time to quickly get another one no, in no, there. No, no. <laughs> that wouldn't be advice I'd give. <laughs> no. But do
0: you have any advice on introducing, I guess, your child or a child
2: to a new partner? Look, I'm not like the poster girl for this because being Eight years separated from Illy's dad, I have had more than one relationship since then. So I have actually introduced him to two separate. People, so I don't know whether that's like something you might look at and be like, "Oh, that's a bit, I don't know, like careless of you or something." Rule. There's no rule. You're yeah, allowed to have more yeah, than two relationships
1: yes. in eight years. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't is, think anyone's judging. But me for I think that.
0: why I ask is because it's like when you have feelings for people, and I've had five partners in my life. Mm. You think, oh, this is it. So when, like, I guess when having a child, you have this big protection mm. of when would be the right time to introduce them because is this my forever? So, like, when did you feel was right in those relationships that you go, okay, well, now's the time I'm going to introduce Elie to blah, blah, blah?
2: I probably felt that way about a few months into each of them, but I didn't ever do it in a way that I felt was like, hey, sit down, like, new family, like, (laughs) here we are, like... It just, I tried to do it as organically as possible. So I never pushed anything like Jackson, who's my current partner. We all live together, obviously. We feel like we're a family. There was never an expectation of like, you have to view Jackson in a certain way, or you need to act this way towards Illy. I really left it up to them. I'm Illy's caregiver. I'm who he goes to. I'm everything to him in our house of course he has to have that respect there, but whether their dynamic was more of a friendship, whether it was more of a authoritative, not authoritative relationship, it really happened naturally. Like there was never any expectation of, oh, you've got to give him a hug, goodnight or anything. All that just came off Illy's own accord. It probably took two years before Illy decided one day, oh, I'm going to start giving Jackson a night oh. card before I go to bed. And he did that and it was like, cool, that's fine. I didn't want to force anything with either of them and I think that's worked really well. So when I've introduced either of those relationships, it hasn't been with the kind of sideline of like, this is really important, you've got to get on board with this. It's just been like, yes, this is my, you know, boyfriend and we're spending time together, but like without having to say this, you know, He doesn't have to be what you don't want him to be. You just let that relationship happen.
1: And how long after your separation did you kind of get out there and what's it like (laughs) dating as a single mum?
2: God, I don't know. Like I feel like I've all my relationships have come from either like a friend of a friend or no, I'm not someone that's ever, I've never been on a dating app, I've never gone on a blind date. I don't know if I've ever really even traditionally gone on a date. It's more just like, oh, like oh, I'm feeling a spark there, friend of a friend, like who's (laughs) that, what's going on there kind of thing so yeah I think it was just the same probably as before it like it just felt yeah I just met people and
1: and I guess in that way they always knew you were a mum.
2: like there was mm-hmm. never yeah. have to be yeah. like
1: the discussion or no yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah that would be a hard discussion I feel like you know you see it on married at first sight <laughs> like,
1: yeah. at what point am I
2: going to drop yeah. the bombshell like <laughs>
1: because life is just like married at first it's sight identical. and then so what happened then so how far down the track did you meet Jackson and then when did you decide that you guys wanted to have a child together.
2: Okay. Here is the part of my story that I, I don't want to say hesitated on sharing because I can't tell this story without sharing it, but I guess I have some worry as to how this comes across. So I had a series of miscarriages after having Illy. My first miscarriage was actually not with Jackson. So I feel like when I say that there's like this instant kind of, oh, that's messy. Your story's messy equals your outcome was messy. And I know that it's just a knee jerk reaction that I think people have in categorizing things and going, oh yeah, that must mean that. And I get that, but I'm, I guess the only one who's lived my life. And I can tell you that it hasn't felt messy. It's felt purposeful. It's felt meaningful with each of these people that I've been with and it's felt completely soul-crushing every single miscarriage that I've gone through. So my first miscarriage was Can I with, just jump in there? Yeah. I, like.
1: I just, is that really how people look at it or do you think that's how you feel it? Because I feel like in general life is complex and I don't think anyone can look at someone else's life and think that any part of it isn't purposeful if that person
0: in it Mm. is doing. Yeah, but you know what? It's funny that you say that because we don't think that people should and do, but just as we've been saying, and I know this is so off topic, but this week we've had such a big whirlwind of, you know, People's opinions and things like that. I think that whenever something's not in a perfect light you do think that other people are going to be negative towards you shut mm. it down think that oh you've done yeah, this yeah totally I mean I just think it's
1: such a shame that in all that you've mm. gone through you feel the need to justify that but obviously yeah. there's a reason that you do so mm. it, carry well, on. Yeah, yeah I
2: think I mean that's part of it too it's like I'm shaming myself before even giving people a chance to have their own opinion or take on that. And I think that's part of it is that it is part of my story. And yes, you know, life would be great if it was black and white, but it's probably... 95% gray Mm. and our brains are constantly trying to see things as black and white because that's how we can have so much information in our heads we need to categorize things and it's kind of our job to like continually look at those judgments and go oh you know is that fair or is that just how life can be sometimes we can all look at our own lives and go there's things that I've been through or behaved like or exhibited that potentially 10 years ago I would have thought oh no that wouldn't be me that's too messy that's I'm not like that and once you're in it you go fuck I see how I got here like it actually you know one thing followed another and it just didn't feel the way it would look from the outside yeah so I guess thank you for saying that because I hope people wouldn't have that judgment, but I do understand that, it. you know, it's like, oh, my fantasy of like, oh, I wish all my miscarriages were with one person. Like <laughs> yeah. that's such a fucking low bar to set of a yeah. fantasy to have, but I don't like the way it sounds, but it is, that is what happened. And I guess maybe there are people out there who can relate to, I don't know, potentially there being things in their past or pregnancies they've had that, you know, might not have been with their husband or whatever and we don't talk about them as much and hopefully people out there can relate or can at least try and relate to the fact that that can happen (laughs) when you're a fertile young woman. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So I was with him. We fell pregnant accidentally and being a mother already, it was something that I... Even though I deep down didn't see him as someone that I thought could be a very sustainable partner in that way, I just still could not help but instantly feel that I was a mother to that baby and that there was just no ifs and buts about that for me. So he was a little more reluctant and finally kind of got on board. I... Was probably about eight weeks along when we went for a dating scan. It was weird because, like I talked about, how my first pregnancy with Ilya never even crossed my mind, something could be wrong. In this pregnancy, I had no bleeding, I had no sign of a miscarriage. But when I knew that we were going to that dating scan, I think my body, I was shit scared. Like I was terrified. I was shaking. I didn't know why. I remember being in spotlight and I was on my way to the appointment and I was like, where's a toilet? Like I'm so anxious. And it was just like looking back, I'm like that was some kind of sign Mm. from my body, I think. So we went into that scan and I think something that had kind of always stuck out at me was that I had a lack of morning sickness And for anyone that's gone through a miscarriage or pregnancy after a loss, you're probably familiar with that feeling of kind of constantly assessing your body for signs of pregnancy. Am I still pregnant? Are my boobs Mm -hmm. sore? Did I just feel a wave of nausea? Like you're just so wrapped up in noticing, yeah, where your body's at Mm -hmm. constantly. So, yeah, my boobs were bigger, they were sore, but I didn't have morning sickness and I think that always stood out to me a little bit. And we got into that scan and she started doing the ultrasound and she said, oh, how far along did you say you were? And I said, oh, just after eight weeks, like maybe eight and a half weeks. And she was like, hmm, look, could your dates be wrong? And I was like, "Mm, I don't think so. And she said, it looks more like a six week pregnancy. um, And there's no heartbeat. And I just like, I just instantly was like, oh, God, like, no, this is not okay. Like, I didn't have any hope of like, oh, maybe I've got my dates wrong. I just was like instantly like, no, no, I know what this means. Like, it's not okay. And I think there was something in me that knew that that was like, yeah, you were right, like there's Mm -hmm. something wrong here. Um, My partner at the time was a bit slower to understand what was going on. He was kind of like, what, what's happening and she, she sent us off to the GP and they, you know, they couldn't rule out that it wasn't viable because they couldn't rule out that I hadn't just got my dates wrong. So after that, there was a three-week period in which there was so much confusion over this pregnancy. Mm. We sat there with the GP that first appointment after the ultrasound and he was amazing. He sat there with me, got out my period diary app, was going, maybe if you ovulated here, maybe it would make sense. You could be just early. And I'm going, yeah, I'm trying to make it fit, trying to make it fit, but knowing deep down, like, I know this isn't right. Like, so the next thing, of course, is to do HCG beta testing. So the pregnancy hormone, you do that at least 48 hours apart to see if that's doubling. That's a pretty sure sign of whether things are going to be progressing or not. Of course, it was a Thursday when I found out, so doing it on a Thursday, maybe get into the pathology again Saturday morning if they're open. But like, you don't find out till Monday. It's a long time to wait. It's a long time. Of course, it was my sister's baby shower on the Saturday. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And did anyone around you know that you were pregnant? Everyone. Yeah. Not everyone, but like our close friends, my family, like, I don't know. I'm not very good at Oh, no, I don't need Keeping under wraps. <laughs> um, I feel like it's like, oh, I've got news to share. I want to yeah. share it. I people can't. say to
1: me, what have you been up to? And I'm like, <laughs> in my mind, the only thing that comes up is like, I'm
2: pregnant. I'm pregnant. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So, yeah, most people knew. So I, I probably at that point was more just keeping my family in the loop. And they were like, you know, maybe it's fine, maybe it's fine, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, got to Monday Got the results, was, of course, not fine. Um, they referred us up to EPAS, which is the Early Pregnancy Assessment something. Service. Service? System? <laughs> <syndrome>. <laughs> um And we started seeing an OBGYN there and she was like, look, I think you should have a DNC because what I had was called a missed miscarriage. So that's when... Your body, the pregnancy has ended, but your body has not recognised that and is carrying on as normal as if you're pregnant. So there's wow. no bleeding, there's no signs of there being a miscarriage. So it's not
0: going to actually come out itself?
2: Well, they were of the strong opinion that I should have a DNC to and remove the pregnant. So that's a dilation and curatage, which is the same thing as you have with a termination, right. where they put you under, they dilate your cervix, they curate the contents and wake you up and you're no longer pregnant right so they do it for you I know that a lot of people are different in that and they're like yep get me into that dnc I want this nightmare over I really didn't feel that way I felt like I needed the closure that having a natural miscarriage could potentially give me I wanted there to be some ending to this some like absolution Mm. So I really fought them and said, no, 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 I want to wait. I want to wait. I want my body to do it naturally. They were, of course, like, oh, risk of infection, risk of this. I said, look, just keep monitoring me. Like, I want to give it some time. We kept monitoring my HCGs. And after a couple of weeks, they came back increasing. So they were going up. (laughs) The doctor actually didn't catch it because I'm like a mad need to understand what's going on, need to write down everything, like researching everything, analysing everything. So I had all my numbers there and I got back the latest panel and went, hang on, that's higher than the last one. So I called her and she was like, oh, like a bit embarrassed, like you're right, like we can't actually rule this pregnancy out right now. Like I've seen this twice before in my career. One time it ended up being fine and one time it didn't. And I was like, okay, so she said you got to come in for another scan. So I went in for another scan and it was not okay and there was no pregnancy that was viable there, but they also said we actually don't know what we're seeing here. I've never kind of seen a scan like this. I don't really understand what we're looking at. We need to send this ultrasound to like some of the other specialists Mm. in the country that are more kind of versed in different pregnancies. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what the hell is going on at this point, and what is
1: in
0: me? And <laughs> how many weeks have you gone so since being told that this is probably not? A I'm
2: about ten weeks at this point, so it's been so two, two weeks. weeks of since that first. So gen. you've gone from no, you're not pregnant. Oh, hang on, you might be. To yeah. we actually
0: don't know now, yeah. and now so you're sitting in limbo.
2: Yeah, and we don't even know what we're looking at now. <laughs> So anyway, she called me after sending that scan to the top specialist in the country and she said he doesn't actually really even know but his best guess is that you have GTD, which is gestational trophoblastic disease, and that's that's kind of an umbrella term for molar pregnancies, partial molar pregnancies, that all kind of comes under that. But what's also under that is a kind of more sinister form of pregnancy where tumours are growing. So their worry was was that that's what was happening to me. So with all that information, she was like. And that
1: would also explain why it then randomly started going up. Exactly, yeah. Yeah.
2: So that can happen with Uh, gestational trophoblastic disease. So she, after all this, was like, come on, like you've got to have a DNC. Like after all this, there could be something really going on. And I was like. wave my white flag like fine take me in so we were booked in to have that we had to drive up very early in the morning and had to fast the night before do all that because you're, you're going under you're having surgery we get there and they're like, oh, sorry, we're full. Can you go home and come back tomorrow? <laughs> oh, my. I know, gosh. I know. And Ily was at his dad's that day, but the next day I had him. So I had to organize him getting looked after. Bit annoying, but like in the scheme of everything else going on, I was like, whatever went up the next day we were booked in at 8am to have. Can I ask just like how were you
1: feel like did you feel pregnant at all in in this like in the limbo time? Like did you feel
2: like yourself? Mm. Did you? I definitely didn't feel like myself. I feel like I had the benefit of still having a hormonal cocktail which for me in pregnancy makes me feel quite content yeah mentally so I felt like while I was in this limbo I guess I wasn't having to face the end of it yeah so yeah I was feeling because you've still got the in your system you are still under the whim of that hormone as well so you know you still have the bigger breasts you still have the bloating you still have the hunger you still have a lot of the time, waves of nausea. So it's really, really hard to figure out in your head what is you looking for symptoms and what is really happening to yeah. you. And as my story goes on and the more miscarriages I have had, that, like, confusion is such a mind fuck. trying to figure out, am I pregnant, am I not? So anyway, I still felt somewhat okay. I went in for the DNC. The second day, they had me booked in at 8 a.m. They were so busy. They sent us away and said, can you just cruise around for a bit and come back in like six hours? <laughs> but but I'm, you're still fasting. I'm still fasting, so I can't eat. And your body thinks you're pregnant. And my body thinks I'm <laughs> pregnant. I can't eat. I think I was allowed. They gave me a little bottle of water as I left and said, you can sit this slowly over the next little bit. No juice, no tea, nothing else. So we're like, all right, let's go op shopping or something like just cruising around, the biggest headache, like feeling like utter shit, just waiting to get the call to come back. Went back in. Eventually, eventually, eventually they got to me and one other woman and we were lying in beds next to each other and they're going, oh, not long now, not long now. And I just kind of accepted what was going on. Mm. I was like, whatever, I'm not even barely here anymore. I'm so hungry, I'm delirious. I was just laying in bed just like kind of staring at the ceiling mm. Got to, I think, about 5 p.m. when they finally came and gave us, I guess it's like Cervidil. It's the same thing as they put in to ripen your cervix as if you were prepping for an induction just to, like, help with opening the cervix. But you're awake. Yeah, yeah. So they put that in so they then say, you know, we want to get you in there within the hour before you're going into, like, full-blown contractions. But they didn't. It was probably another three hours and I was I was handling it okay I actually was okay the woman next to me was in a lot of pain and she was like really struggling and I said to them I said you can take her first like I can handle like a bit longer I'm doing okay and they said no like You've got this potential like mm. gestational trophoblastic disease. We have to get you in there first. Like, you're actually a bit of an urgent case. And you're
0: like, thanks. You've literally <laughs> yeah, no, left my, me here all fucking day. No. But thanks exactly, for caring now.
2: Exactly. One of those things. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's fine to not drink if you don't know you're pregnant. Like, don't worry about the parties you had. But now that you're pregnant, you know, like, definitely don't drink. <laughs> matters when it matters. But um, yeah. So anyway, I went in for my DNC, had that they came back as, oh, no, it was just a normal miscarriage. Oh, Yeah, no, you don't have anything. Don't know what we were seeing that was weird, but it's all fine. Not fine, but it was just a regular missed miscarriage.
1: Can I say, I think this is so important to say because I think people who maybe haven't been through a miscarriage or haven't kind of started their, like, reproductive journey I think from the outside miscarriage can seem so cut and dry like it's like you're either pregnant or you're not pregnant you're either like your pregnancy is viable or you're having a miscarriage it's like one or the other and Mm. I think actually with miscarriage you know it is it is common that women just have what seems to be a healthy pregnancy and then all of a sudden start miscarrying. but I think stories like yours are actually so common and I won't go on about my story because Mm. I've said it multiple times on the podcast before but You know, mine was the same, that it was like I went in for a dating scan they were like, are you sure your dates are Mm. correct? And then it was just kind of like, and I don't blame them because they couldn't know from the scan whether my dates were correct and it it was a non-viable pregnancy or if, you know, actually, yeah, I was only six weeks and it was too small to see a heartbeat yet. But, yeah, I was sent away and it was like come back in a week Mm. and we'll know in that time if it's grown the amount that it's meant to have grown and I guess it, it, it was, I knew my dates were correct, like you. So about two days later, I started bleeding and, mm. you know, w- was able to have a, a miscarriage at home. And it was almost a relief, I guess, when I started bleeding, because mm. in my heart of hearts, I I knew that my dates were correct. I knew if I waited a week and went back, it wouldn't have grown anymore but I think this idea that miscarriages are either like you're pregnant or you're not pregnant it adds to the trauma of miscarriage because so often there
0: is a level of confusion there. But I've never had a miscarriage and when I hear conversations from the women that have I just think of your mental states and think especially this one for example you didn't expect to have this pregnancy mm. so not only are you having a conversation with a partner that you didn't actually like he wasn't planning on becoming a father mm. you had to go through that so then you got your heads around being pregnant and then you got excited mm. only to then be told that you're not and then have to get your head around all those future thoughts that you you rush through I mean eight weeks is a mm. long time or mm. you, you find out at three weeks but even 48 hours of knowing You have had billions of thoughts on how your future is going to turn out with a new child. And to have, I've got goosebumps, but like Mm. to have that then crush and you have to go, now all that's not happening, how did that affect your relationship afterwards? Yeah.
2: Well, I think what you just said then is so accurate because One of, I guess, the things that I struggle with around conversations about miscarriage is people's questioning along the lines of like, you know, and I know sometimes it's just because they want more of a picture painted for them, but those questions that are like, oh, how far along were you or was it planned or um, do you have other children, it feels as if people are trying to quantify or qualify their sympathy towards mm, the situation. Yeah. And well said. when you lose a pregnancy, it's so hard because, yes, there's the tangible loss of the physical thing you've lost, whatever it is, a fucking group of cells at this point, a, a baby the size of a grape. Like, that's not what you're really grieving. No. You're grieving the potential of what that is. Yeah. That is your baby. And like yeah. you said, whether you've known you're pregnant for an hour or weeks, especially as the woman, like that thought does not leave your mind for a second from the moment you know you're pregnant. Every single thing that happens from that moment is through the lens of I am now pregnant with this child. You Not know, even I'm pregnant, it's I'm a mother I'm to a this mother. child. It's yeah. You, you know, you've you've looked at where you want to give birth, you've looked you know their due date, you've thought about what they'll be wearing in the summertime, whether you'll need these clothes. You know, I had stuff from Illy that I'd had in the garage. You know, would this be applicable for this baby? Like your mind has planned everything around that little life and and you've loved it. Like, I'm not saying that's true for everyone. I can honestly say I have loved every single one of my babies. Like I have, I can't help it. So yeah, to answer your question, how that affected our relationship was not good. Sorry, I have to be honest, he was not supportive. It was not helpful. Do you think he had like relief on his um, side? I would say probably. Yeah. I would say that because I think there was a part of him that was a struggle for him to get on board with becoming a dad and I think there was a part of him that was like I overcame that fear. I kind of mm. said, okay, I'll do this and then like, oh, phew, I didn't have to. Like, yeah. So I think he got to feel kind of. The benefit of going, yes, I stepped up, yeah. but then like I didn't have to yeah, yeah, in the yeah, end, yeah, yeah. which is fine. Like that, that's him. That's how he felt. He, he won't ever be a dad, I don't think. Like that's not for him and that's fine. And looking back, like, no, I'm not ever glad that I've lost a baby, but yes, I'm glad I'm not tied to him in that yeah. way. So we broke up shortly after that, not really because of the miscarriage, Mm. but that's just what happened. And then, yes, I went on to meet Jackson, who I'm now with. And, yeah, I think when I met Jackson it was. Love at first sight. I hate to be (laughs) corny, but honestly it was that thing where we would just stare into each other's eyes for hours just going, holy shit, like what's happening here? Something yeah. monumental is happening. Like, How good these is love? Feelings, so good and how good is love when it's actually easy? Like yeah. this was my real like understanding of, oh, my God, it's not always hard. It's not always a matter of justifying certain behaviours and making them fit and going, oh, but I can be tolerant of that because of this. Like when it actually is good, it's fucking easy and it's just, yeah, we fell so quick. We would, you know, have that thing where we'd go, oh, we've got to spend a night apart. Like, come on, we've got to do yeah. it. Like, And then we'd sit on FaceTime for hours until we'd go, this is ridiculous, just come over. We're physically apart, but that is Yeah, just fall. He's like, like, no, just come now. Like, yeah, no, we, we couldn't. we can't have sex for the sixth time today. Uh, oh, to my five God. I know, I know.
0: But, yeah, he, there was, days? um. <laughs>
2: there was no games there was no yucky feeling it was just like we both knew where we stood he's four years younger than me so I was like a bit like oh god like you're a baby but he is so emotionally mature he's so self-aware he's never ever walked away from any kind of hard discussion or any hard feeling he's always been 100% emotionally available to me and that's a huge thing for me so
1: especially I guess with the journey you two have gone through together and having a
0: child definitely yeah Yeah. I mean these are the qualities that you would like to have in someone that's going to be in your future I went out with a guy who I never really talk about and why are you laughing because I I
1: don't know if I've heard this before I'm so excited no shut up I
0: want to hear about dating Jade (laughs) (laughs) maybe we could do that next week um no I had a partner who was Extremely volatile, let's put it at that, mm. right? And exactly what you were saying, until you fall in love with someone and realise that love is so easy, you don't understand how different loves can be. You can love someone and it can be the hardest thing in the world and you can love them to bits but it, it just doesn't work. And you can love someone and it like it's like this heaviness is removed from your chest and you're like, we're going to be able to function. Like I'm going to be Mm. able to communicate and you're going to understand and there's going to be respect here and we're going to be able to move forward. So when we do have a child or we do Mm -hmm. have a serious matter, I believe that we're going to succeed. And here I am thirteen years later.
1: <laughs> no, I think because often it's drummed into us and I'm not downplaying anyone else's mm. relationship. Like mm. I feel like I'm in a relationship that's quite an easy relationship. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't come with its hardships, but I think it's drummed into Don't us. Don't say you're too
0: too good because we've been we'll called, end up broken We've enough. been called privileged <laughs> because we're very good in our relationships, but continue. <gasps>
1: But I I think it's drummed into you from when you're so young that like relationships take work and they're hard work and there's compromise and and I agree and I think especially once you have kids, you do have to consciously work at your relationship. But I think you also sometimes need to take a step back and be like is it more hard than it's easy? Mm, Is it more bad than it's good? Mm, Is there more compromise than being able to Mm. do what you both want to do? And then you can yep. do with what you wish with that information.
0: <laughs> so from here, we've fallen in love. Mm. Have we introduced... We're doing it on every
1: surface. Have we?
0: <laughs> yeah, we've done
2: bits and pieces.
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> how, how long did it take for
2: you to introduce Illy Jackson? Um, probably quicker than, like, what experts would recommend. <laughs> I can't remember, but it was probably only a month or two. Um, but you knew. Yeah. Well, yeah, like you said, like... I think when you have those qualities with someone where you go, yeah, of course it's going to be up and down, of course we're going to face hardships, but like we can communicate and you have that emotional and intellectual intelligence that I respond well to, I know that we can overcome things. So it's not about going, oh, we'll never have a problem. It's going like do we both have the matter that when it comes together we will be able to get through that? Mm. And it's a matter of not only it being them, it's being able to go like, is this a problem with me? Is this something I'm bringing to a it? psychologist. Is this something they're so bringing well it to it? <laughs> it's or ridiculous. Or is this an us problem? And I think that's something I struggled with in the past was ignoring the fact that it was probably an us problem and trying to constantly bend and shape myself to be more tolerant and understand why they behaved certain ways. But, yeah, harping on about that point, it was different with him and I felt just like... I, oh, fuck, so corny. But, yeah, I felt like, oh, I I could happily be with him for the rest of my life and he felt the same way and there was no fear in us just being so honest about that. So quite quickly I introduced him to Illy. Not too long later, probably after being together for about a year, we knew that we wanted kids together. Like that was a definite from the start yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, how did you feel going into you know, that conception
1: Mm. phase again?
2: Well, I guess I uh, am lucky, like I'm saying that with quotes, in the way that it, it hasn't been a struggle for me to fall pregnant. So I didn't feel worried about conceiving, but I did obviously have a lot of residual trauma and anxiety around that pregnancy continuing. So we fell pregnant very quickly and... From the start, I did have a lot of nervousness around that first scan. That was such a big thing in my head because that's obviously where I found out yeah. the last time. And it was just like, if I can get to that scan and everything can be okay. I'll let myself believe that this is fine. And did you have morning sickness or any Um, signs? I did. I did have morning sickness, but still it wasn't to the extent that I had with Illy. But in saying that, I don't want to freak anyone out who goes, oh, yeah, if you don't have morning sickness, Mm. it's not a good sign because honestly, with Harvey, my seventh month old, I didn't have that much morning sickness and everything was fine, so it doesn't always mean sense. I was going to say with Poppy this.
1: I had hyperemesis and then with Goldie, like especially at the very start, I was barely sick at all, yeah. so I – didn't allow myself to be excited I went into the dating scan going no you know it's going to show you that there's not a viable pregnancy there and yeah I mean every Mm -hmm. pregnancy can be different
2: it can be yeah Yeah, it really can so I felt very pregnant probably from the minute I ovulated in this pregnancy I literally from when I ovulated my boobs started growing I was hungry I was like what the hell is going on wow (laughs) I was like (laughs) pregnant before it was on a stick (gasps) And <laughs> you were waiting we, for it to be fertilized. I think my body was just like, lock this down. But yeah, so we, I wanted to wait a little bit longer, possibly than the GP did to go in for that first scan because I did not want to encounter that same, like, yeah, is it, it too early? Is it yeah, not? Yeah. It's like, no, we're going and the answer's there. Yeah. So we were both really excited. We went to the first scan and I was shitting myself like I was actually like a mess like fully balling on the table Mm. and it just not only what I'd gone through but just the exact situation of lying there on that table and the gels going on and you're just waiting and it's just the most definite moment of your life is coming and there's nothing you can do like you're just going I'm either just going to be over the moon or I'm about to be crushed into pieces again And so I was just shaking and she was going, you've got to calm down a bit. I'm not going to be able to get a read. And, um, finally she got it on there. She found the baby and there was like this beautiful heartbeat. And I just was like, Oh, like, like honestly, like an audible, like, Oh my God, it's okay. And we were both just like, so over the moon. I was like, you know i'm not a big like oh universe not meant to be meant to be person i'm much more like scientific and probably analytical but there was probably that feeling of like yes like i'm with him of course it's working out like we're having this baby yeah she kept moving the wand or whatever you call it and she goes oh um i don't know how to say this there's another one and i was just like gone from bawling wow. I was laughing hysterically I was just like what do you mean like and that one had a heartbeat and I felt overjoyed like I just felt like it was like all my Christmases at once like quite literally yeah <laughs> like it was like <laughs> yeah um, it just was like oh wow like this is just better than ever and obviously twins of like very scary and a lot of work but I just could not help but feeling so stoked Jackson was like head in his hands, just like fails <laughs> a ghost. He honestly, he didn't talk to me he's for like, like two hours. I, he's like I think I overcommitted. Now. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. We, Super st- we went to lunch after that, and he got out his phone and he literally googled how to deal with twins. <laughs> <laughs> and Siri just goes,
1: "Where do you want to begin? <laughs> he was
2: like, "Buy a double pram." Um, but yeah, it was so exciting. So and were you ten, 10 weeks? No, so I was seven weeks at this seven point. Seven weeks, okay. Yeah, so I was like, cool, like, this is great. Like, they were like, this is the best possible, not the best possible, but like the lowest risk twin pregnancy you can have. Yeah. They're in their own sacs. they've got oh, their wow. own placentas. Like, so we knew they were fraternal. So we knew that I had it was hyperovulated. Not I guess probably that's why I felt so pregnant from ovulation <laughs> onwards because <laughs> I guess I was just like, boom, send all the eggs. So, yeah, we were like felt really free to be like, cool, this is fine now. Like we're on. It's all good. We'll tell people. We'll get excited. Like it's happening. Went on like that for another few weeks. Got to about nine and a half weeks and I was like, oh, I might just ask, for well, I'm not scan. Like, you know, just want to see how things yeah. are going. So we we got that. So the GP was like, yeah, that's no problem. Like with your history, you need some reassurance. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And that's something, honestly, if anyone ever needs reassurance and has had that in their history, go to your GP, tell them you're feeling anxious. They will organise that scan for you. It's not something you have to organise yourself or go like, oh, I, I'm not entitled to another yeah. one. Like if you're having that really strong feeling of worry or need that reassurance, they will organise that and it's always good to go do it. So I went to that scan, the same place, with Jackson, feeling like top of the world, not really worried, just like spewed before I went in there, like was still nauseous, like just going, cool, everything's sweet, we're just going to see them again. I was actually laughing this time when she was putting the wand on me and she's like, you got to stay still, I'm not getting a good reading. And it's a bit quiet and she's like pushing the wand around and, I'm like, oh, God, like start feeling this dread. I'm like, oh, yeah. no, it's a bit quiet, it's a bit quiet, she's a bit quiet, and she's just, I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, oh, I'm just just not quite getting a proper read yet, like, you know, just stay really still. And I'm just going like, no, I don't want to believe it. Like, it's fine, it's fine, she's going to get a proper read. And she goes, you know, if I don't get a good read, I'll get you to go to the bathroom, do a wee, come back, we'll do a transvaginal, you know, up yeah. the vagina, we can get a clearer picture then. So I'm lying there just waiting, just waiting. Like I, oh God, I my body just had turned to lead. Like I sorry. She she probably was doing it for another good five minutes. And I knew at this point that like a transvaginal was not gonna show us anything that she wasn't finding already. Yeah. Um, she was just like, I'm sorry, I can't find a heartbeat on either either baby. Um and I was like, oh god. I was like that, I don't know, like that mom on the hill like howling in the moon. Like I was just screaming, like so upset. I just kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry to Jackson and he was hugging me and going, I don't know, like it's not your fault, blah, blah, blah. They sent me to do a wee anyway and come back and do the trans It didn't change anything and they were just like, okay, like you need to go straight to your GP, Um I'm going to go out of the room, give you a minute to kind of collect yourself and just grab the scan on the way out and go straight to your GP. Oh, I could not pull myself together. This is like just two o'clock on, you know, just a weekday and you're walking out into the sunshine to all these shops and people around. And Jackson was pretty much carrying me to the car. I was just the biggest mess, and we had to drive into Byron into the doctor's surgery. And I'm sitting in the waiting room, and I'm just like trying to pretty much like crawl into the wall. Like my body was just like I was curled up in a ball, just trying to escape. Like what was happening? And they came and got me, and they said, "Let's get you into like the nurse's room, and yeah. you can wait in there for the doctor, and we'll get you a cup of tea." and Anyway, he came in and he was just like, Yeah, like obviously, you know, they've sent the scans. Um, yeah, you've it's another missed Miscarriage. So my body did not know. Both of them were at eight weeks. So they both looked like they'd whatever word you want to use, like died, not progressed on the same day. That really was something I struggled with I need to understand things so I was like I need to know what happened what has happened why would these two babies who had beating hearts looked healthy why would they die and both on the same day like why and he just couldn't give an answer he was like like not that he should have been able to but it's just so hard not having that answer like I needed to know I needed to understand it And he he couldn't tell me. And um, he he said, look, just go home. What often happens with the body is once it knows, he said, it's just some phenomenon that happens that pregnant women who have lost their baby without any physical symptoms of losing it, their body, their mind goes, oh, I know it's not viable and something happens and your body let goes and goes, you'll probably just miscarry over the weekend, like just go home. And I was like, Okay.
0: I like, I honestly I just can't like see so you get told yeah there's no heartbeats and then you have to go home and wait to lose them like well you
1: don't have to if she had decided no I mentally can't do that right. I wanna have a D&C they could and have potentially that. organized that but a lot of the time if you can avoid having a surgery you yeah. would And
0: so for you in your mental state yeah like I mean I'm assuming for someone that needs to know everything and needs to have answers, mm. I'm assuming that you would want to know an answer before having the surgery. Correct.
2: Yeah. I wanted answers. I over the next few weeks I stayed pregnant again for another few weeks, waiting to miscarry naturally. I would sit there going, yeah, these are my questions for our next appointment and I'd come up with a whole series of things I would yeah. could we do the harmony test? If we did the harmony test now, could that be tested and they could find out if there was a chromosomal issue? Could it be this? Could we do that? Like I was just like a dog with a bone like give me an answer. Yeah. So we would go to appointments with him over the next few weeks and he would just be going you need to have surgery. You've got two Eight week old fetuses in you, two placentas, there's a lot of blood, like yeah. you're at a risk of hemorrhaging, like you need to have a DNC. And I was just like, with all respect, like I'm absolutely not doing that. Like I already did it last time when I really didn't want to. I Something I should have mentioned about the last time is that I don't know if everyone feels this, but I felt like a huge kind of Chemical imbalance in my brain after my DNC. I felt like it was like going from you're pregnant, you've got all these pregnancy hormones to it's out and you've got none. And I felt like there was no gradual weaning off of that. And I think that messed with me in that even when I was feeling like I'd processed the emotional impact of what was happening, I felt like my brain was, there was something wrong. Like I Mm. felt like a chemical thing where it was like, I could not, I just felt so bleak. And I didn't want that. Was there an option to do a DNC and send it off for testing? So that's the big thing. I wanted testing and they gave me two jars <laughs> to take home and they said you, were to you can collect the right, yeah. fetuses and put them in the jars and bring them in. And I was like, well, that's what I'm going to do then. They were like, if you have a DNC, it'll be much easier for us to test. We can, you know, do that for you. And I was like, no, 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 give me the jars. Like I'm going home. I kind of like, so I know I've gone ahead a few weeks, but I'm backtracking to when we first found out. I was like, all right, like I'm going to do this. I started like going for runs. I would go for long walks. Like I would sit there kind of telling my body it was over, telling it it was time to let go. I was in like really immense grief at this point I this was probably my hardest loss that I went through I think the fact that they had had heartbeats and were alive and then weren't and just all I couldn't get my head around I couldn't understand and um I just I dealt with it different to Jackson I felt I didn't want to see anyone I didn't need to be around anyone I just needed to I needed it to not be happening. But all I could do was just be at home on my own. I didn't care if he was really there or not. Like he felt more that urge, I think, which a lot of men do, to yeah. see their friends and numb out a bit or have some drinks or do whatever. And I was like, that's the last thing I want to do. I just want to lie here and stare at the ceiling. Like,
1: And how old was Illy at this point? Like how so did you go about
2: parenting six? while going
1: through this?
2: Um, my neighbor at the time, she's one of my good friends and she's so beautiful. She's so amazing. She out, but we both have kids in similar ages. We don't live next door to each other anymore, but she would take him a lot. He would go over there and play. Illy actually knew that we were pregnant. Yeah. We did tell him. So then I did have to tell him that we weren't Yeah, or that it wasn't viable. And that was just oh, like a child's understanding of that. Mm. It's just the most like heartbreaking and beautiful experience to have because he oh, he was just so sweet he would just go, Oh, I think, mummy, I think that I think the babies just want some pizza, you know, if you come and have some pizza, I think what they'll times. come back to life, You know, he would just be saying these. Sweet little innocent things, and I'd have to explain, and it didn't bother me. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, that's you know so traumatic. I just, you know, was able to go whatever he needs to a understand about. Part of you about is just this. like,
1: oh, if only if life was as simple as I what know. a kid's mind can think it is. Yeah. He
2: would put, you know, at night he would put his head down. Then he would stroke my tummy and he'd go, oh, "I've healed the mummy. They're back alive now." And I was just like, oh my god, yeah. If only, like. Yeah. But, um, I, yeah, I wanted him to know that anything he said was fine. I was, op- you know, I was there for him 100% to talk about and help him understand in his own um, level of understanding. So I didn't go over the top. I didn't over-explain. I just kind of let him be the guide as to what yeah. he needed to know. So he was aware that I was upset during this time, but I still, you know, I still was getting out of bed, of course. I was, like, you know, looking after him and nurturing him, and I would wait until he wasn't there to really fall apart. So that for me was a lot of literally just staring at the ceiling. I really craved like other women's stories. I really Mm. would search for like podcasts or books or just online. Like it was like an obsession. Like I just needed, I needed more, 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 more. I needed to relate to other women that had gone through it. So I was probably seeking out a lot of that, whereas Jackson was like a bit more like. Distraction. Distraction, But he was so there for me. He, You know, he'd go, I'd be like, it's fine, honestly, just go, like go hang out with your friends. Like I just want to be here and he'd be like, I can't leave you. And, I, you know, yeah. he was there for me but I also wanted to be there for him because he was really in a lot of pain too. Like, you know, there was no doubt about it when I looked into his mm. eyes. Like there was something we had lost, you know, and he was – he, he was emotional. He's an emotional guy, so he was crying as well. You know, he was really struggling with the loss and I wanted to be able to help him as well. So he did that and I would do a bit of writing sometimes and I had a lot of friends who knew and wanted to help. I didn't want to see anyone, but people would drop food over yeah. and that was so lovely. That was the best because I was still like quite pregnant feeling at this point. I had a little tummy I was like had that pregnancy hunger still and the last thing I wanted to do was like cook food and so that was such a nice way to feel um, looked after and, yeah, to feel like there was something people could do that even though it doesn't feel like it will help, it really does. Like it was so nice to go to the fridge and go, oh, there's that doll that Blah Blah made or those chocolates they've sent. Can I ask a question? Can they not when you're when you
0: have a miscarriage? Is the only way of having a natural miscarriage is you waiting for your body to do its thing? They can't give you any pill or medication to help the process.
2: Is it just purely that or a DNC? They can give you medication, but they would usually only do that if it was a lot earlier on. Right. Yeah. They don't do it at all when. Why? I don't yeah. know. But that was there. Yeah, that wasn't an option for me. So they were really like ramming it into us, you know, this is getting dangerous. You've got to have a DNC. I got to 12, nearly 13 weeks. My body was still not computing the loss. It was just holding on and like believed it had a reason to. It finally got to a point we were having another appointment and she said, look, like you really want an answer. If you do the DNC, we're going to collect the fetuses for you will have them tested. You'll definitely have an answer. Whereas if you don't, we might not get a good answer for you. Also, if you don't, if you're at home, you are in serious chance of having a hemorrhage. You'll need an ambulance. Chances are you're going to need a DNC anyway mm-hmm. um, because you it'll be, pretend, an it'll be an emergency one. Things. We can't see as well. You know, you're worried about any damage. Like that's going to be riskier. We had a lot of conversations like that and eventually I got worn down and I said okay like I really want these tested Mm. that's my main reason let's do it so we had to pay for that testing and we had to fill out forms for that which we did we booked in for the DNC and I met the doctor who performed the DNC beforehand she was so lovely she gave me this like little teddy bear which I've still got Mm. and she was you know talked to me about my case and said I really want to get an answer for you too blah 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 I was wheeled off for that and woke up again and had a pretty, because I'd already had those previous three or four weeks to, I guess, really deal with the emotional trauma of losing the babies. What I really then went through was I think that chemical thing again where I just felt like so numb and bleak, like I just felt so bleak and, you know, it wasn't tied to whether I was grieving about what had happened or not. So I really struggled with that and I was in that state for quite a few weeks after. We were due to go back in, I think it was about a week after the DNC to get those results. We went into that appointment and she goes, I'm so sorry. They took the fetuses and put them in formaldehyde. That renders the DNA completely untestable there's nothing we can do. We can't test them now. But you we could. paid for the test. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they stuffed up. They stuffed up. She was like, all I can say is we made a big mistake. So when you put them in formaldehyde, I guess it's like a kind of um, agent that preserves like a preservative mm. Mm. and it completely obliterates the DNA profile so there's no testing that can be done. And I was obviously like aghast, like are you kidding, like, And she was there calling every lab she could going, is there any way that you know how to test um, matter that's been in formaldehyde? And I'm going, yeah, keep calling, like find out, like keep finding out. And she was like, no, it's, there's no, it's not. And she was like, I I suggest you put in a formal complaint to the hospital, like blah, blah, blah. But yeah, this is, that's it. We can't, we'll never know.
1: And so basically it's just like, you just have to go into another pregnancy blind.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. And and then now that you've had two consecutive ones that Since, miscarriages yeah. that at the same time, so now you're just going to be waiting for that time now to go, well.
2: Yeah. So she was just like, yeah, we can't, can't do anything about this. I'd been referred to a specialist at this point, like a fertility specialist. Right. So we did go to him. Jackson and I went to him. We had all the kind of common testing done. He couldn't find anything. Um, He actually only tested me. He didn't test Jackson. He, yeah, couldn't find any reason for any of what had happened.
1: But would he, if you know, not to bring it back to the miscarriages being from separate partners, but if it had have been both with Jackson, would he then have tested Jackson? and Is that the reason? Mm -hmm. I think so.
2: I guess I say that because we had another miscarriage after this and he still didn't test him. Right. And my GP at the time was a little bit upset about that. She felt that was like just a bit unfair for him to not even kind of look there even just in that way of making me feel like it was it all wasn't on me. It was your
0: fault,
2: yeah. Yeah, so anyway, yes, yeah. so we did. We just kept trying. We fell pregnant again after a couple of months We lost that one actually quite quickly, probably around five or six weeks, um, and I actually just had bleeding for that and that's how I knew. Did pregnancy at this point almost become like
1: transactional? Like did you feel like you were attached to the – I mean I'm just thinking from my my perspective if I were to go through that, I feel like I'd just – I feel
2: like I would have to detach from it. Is it even
1: possible to Um, do that?
2: I can only speak for myself and I totally see why you'd say that. But for me, no, I felt like very attached each time. Not in the way where I felt attached like, oh, this is great. I'm having a baby. And then like, oh, slap in the face. I'm not like, obviously, I was so in tune with the, the reality that I could potentially miscarry, but I still felt really invested in that outcome. I didn't ever, it, it's so consuming. And the felt like,
1: the same each it time. It didn't feel the
2: same. I'd say I feel like something happens or happened to me where after probably my third miscarriage it was like it no longer felt like it was this awful tragic thing that had happened to me. It felt like it was who I was. I felt like I was like this walking dysfunction. So I think the pain changed in that way where it becomes this added kind of layer of just pain and shame of yourself and this feeling of your body failing or you failing and it not just being like, um, everyone says like, oh, it's so common, you know, it happens to so many women, blah, blah, blah. And for one, I don't think that's really helpful because it's like, Yeah, we all, like, lose jobs and some of us lose parents and go through heartbreak and even though that's a common experience of human beings, it doesn't make it any less impactful when you're going through it yourself. It doesn't diminish your pain and your pain doesn't diminish theirs. So, Did you see a psychologist or anyone during these times? I didn't. I felt really frozen. I felt like my life was just on hold. I felt just like I couldn't take the next step in anything until I knew what my story was going to be. And I was at this point really faced with the fear of like, am I ever going to overcome this? Mm. Are we going to ever have a baby or is my story? We never could. We had loss after loss and then we gave up and I (laughs) My heart breaks for women out there that that is their reality and, you know, they maybe don't also already have a child. Like I can't imagine the pain of just having to go through your life and trying and going through losses and wanting it so bad and never getting a resolution to that. Like I just, oh, I just, yeah, it would take a stronger woman than me, I think, to deal with that and go on and live your life feeling yeah, like um, you had closure because I just,
1: yeah. it's such. Did you get to a point where you considered like, I don't think I can do this
2: again? So after our fourth miscarriage, that one I actually took really hard again. I think it was just that thing of like, oh, my God, like this is just my life. This is happening to me again. I, I, I don't know if this is something I want to share because I feel Worried of, I guess, how it paints the mental state I was in, but I have to share it because it's true. Throughout all of this, I still was able to be a a partner, a mother, a friend. Like I had my shit together. It was an internal struggle I was really fighting. There was no part of me that was not still 100% there and in love with my son and so happy to be his mother. But the pain of what I was going through, it just. My mental state was not good after that fourth one. I was at work one day and we, this is like so, I don't know why this is embarrassing to share, but we had these um, like blades that were used for epiblading people's faces. And I was in such this bleak place and I promise like when I say this to you, it was not that I wanted to die, like absolutely not. I just was in so much pain And in between customers coming in, I was going out into the staff back room and I was grabbing one of these blades and I was just running it over my skin, like not cutting through. I just was sit there just running and it just gave me some feeling of like control. or no, just some release of the pain because it was so inside me. I wasn't talking to really anyone about it. I wasn't seeing a psychologist. I wasn't offered any counselling at any point. So it just was, um, I don't know, yeah, it wasn't piercing the skin. Like I hope you guys can hear that and understand what I'm saying, that it wasn't an effort to like damage myself. It just felt like it was a physical thing, emotion I could do that helped me to kind of release a bit of that pent-up feeling of pain. And I wasn't, there was no blood or anything like that. But after that, I went like, for God, like this is a bit scary. And I literally left my shift that day and I called Jackson and I was like, can you meet me? And we went and met at the beach and um, I told him, I just said, this is like what's happening to me right now. I don't know. Like, I don't think I'm okay. Like, I don't know if we should go on. And after this fourth miscarriage, I'd had this amazing GP who had said, um, I want to refer you to Dr. Key Ong. He's an incredible, he's an IVF doctor, but, you know, he'll also see you for your recurrent miscarriages. Go to him like he's known for getting a piece of paper pregnant. But I was in this state where I was like, I'm not in a good place. I don't know if we should keep trying. I don't know if we should keep doing all this testing because I'd also been seeing a naturopath. I'd done hormone testing. You know, they would test my spit, my pee, my blood, like everything I was constantly spending money on this thing, that thing, getting no answers. And he was like, yeah, maybe we should have a break. And I was like, maybe we should. And then we both said, look, we've been referred to this specialist. He's going to do these round of testings. Mm. No one's done before. Let's just do this. If we don't get an answer, like we'll have a break from it. And so I was like, cool, we've got a plan. So we saw him once. He did testing of Jackson as well, which was, I guess, nice in that way that he went like, you know, it's not something that we should just look at you for. There was nothing to find there. There was nothing to find at first in what he found with me and then he did blood match DNA test of Jackson and I. And we were on our way to get these results, and the wheel came off our car on oh, the highway. Of course it did. So <laughs> timely. I know. So we're on the side of the road and I call him and I'm just like, oh my God, like we're not gonna make it. And he's like, look, I'll just give you your results over the phone. Oh fuck. And um, so I'm just sitting there on the side of the highway, and he goes, It's come back that you're a complete match. So what that means is there's a certain chromosome, it's chromosome six. And there's a number on that. It's called your DQ alpha. And that DNA is something that they have found to potentially be an issue if both partners share it. What it does is it. so when a woman falls pregnant, the embryo has to implant. And to do that, the woman's immune system has to accept that embryo. So usually the man's sperm sends that message This is my rough understanding, I'm not a specialist, but it sends that message to say, you know, this foreign object is okay, keep it safe. What they've found, so any couple could have any number of matches on different things, but it's this one that has this potential problem where the man's sperm and the woman's uterus do not recognise that it's a separate Thing that needs to be protected. So, my immune system would kick into overdrive and kick it out each time. That embryo itself had no issue with it. Like our session would explain, that embryo, you could implant that embryo into a different uterus, it would grow fine. There's no issue with the actual baby. The issue was is just with my uterus and Jackson's sperm DNA. So, We found that out on the phone and I'm like, what the hell does this mean? What's going on? Blah, 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 blah. I'm sitting there inside of the road just Googling all this like crazy DNA. He's he's Googling how to change a (laughs) tyre. How to do it with a tyre when you're (laughs) on your way to a specialist appointment. Yeah. Anyway, so we found that out. So was part of that a
1: relief? Relief? Um, Or was it like, oh, we didn't need to go through these with these other miscarriages because... It was like good to have, have an done. answer
2: but the answer itself was a bit scary because so with this issue there's been a lot of studies done around it and I don't want to get too deep into like the research but it's quite controversial in that the studies have not really shown that this is actually a significant effect that happens from this match. It's right. been studied but the the latest meta-analysis, which is when they get all of the kind of studies and review them all together, stated from my knowledge that they believed there to be an increase in this DNA match causing recurrent miscarriage but that there was a lot of inherent bias in all yeah. of the studies so it was not quite conclusive so it was a controversial answer it was more like and like it, it was more experimental there's only I think three or two specialists in Australia that treat for this exact thing in this way. In America, the treatment we had is actually banned. Couples have to go to Mexico to get it they there's a lot of people that believe it's just kind of a way of you know maybe preying on women who really want to have a baby you know there's a lot of obviously criticism on on all sides of IVF treatments and specialists and yeah that was something which kind of was delivered to us at the same time was like you know this is a kind of experimental approach we would take into treating you but I'm going to refer you to this specialist in Melbourne who treats women for this. And we were like, we're doing it. Like, we'll do whatever. Like, let's do that. So we had a um, Skype meeting with him and he just went over it with us and said, yep, I've seen this before and everyone that I treat, this is the way I treat them. If I were to leave you to try without my treatment, I believe you would have a 1% chance of having a viable pregnancy. So we were like, okay, well, like obviously we're going to do it. It's interesting though because in some of those studies I mentioned, they have actually studied couples who've been successful in having pregnancies and couples who've had infertility issues in holding on to pregnancies and both of them have been found to have these matches. So I'm just saying that in that it is a confusing thing for me still because I wish it was clear. I wish there was more understanding about it. I wish it was studied more. But in Like you that, wish you could say to everyone, if you're having these issues, yeah, go do this, yeah, this and this. But, but that still, may not
1: be the case. I
2: still would say 100% to go and do it because A, it worked for me and B, like what have you got to lose? Like it could be the answer for you. And I do think that there is so much that they're continually discovering with immunological issues playing a part in recurrent miscarriage. So that seemed to be my problem. My immune system was being too overactive.
0: Yeah. So what did you have to do to become
2: So we pregnant? had to fly to Melbourne twice, four weeks apart, and have Jackson's blood withdrawn and then injected into my arm. So obviously not his full blood. They would distill it till the, it was just a white blood
0: cell. Oh, my
2: <laughs> gosh.
0: Blood and brothers. is this
2: so your body can recognize it's a type of I guess like a vaccination yeah. you know so it's like so that your body doesn't reject him yeah, in the future. yeah right yeah. oh my gosh yeah so we did that four weeks apart we did that in the December just before COVID hit so I'm so glad that we we didn't know COVID was coming but if it had been a month later we would have been screwed trying to get that treatment But before we went the first time to Melbourne, Dr. Keong said, let's do a laparoscopy just to rule out anything internal. If you're going to go along these lines and have this treatment, we may as well just make sure there's no Mm. other stone unturned. And I was like, totally. So I was like, well, we better do it quick. Like flights are booked to Melbourne in like eight days' time. Let's get this laparoscopy in before then. So I'm like calling my boss, like, can I have two days off work next week? (laughs) Like just thinking I was going to just quickly wham, bam into this surgery. Anyway, that was hard. He did that. He did the laparoscopy. He didn't find any issue. He did find a medium amount of endometriosis to which I have no symptoms for. He said he thought that endometriosis was there for a long time and wow. he didn't consider that to be a contributing yeah. factor to what was going on, but that was what it was. So in that way, it was a harder surgery and that he had to do an extra incision to remove that. So I was back at work like... Two days later, like, given all these endones and shit that I hated being on, just like really struggling and just going, nah, it's fine. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I was just like, I just got to like get to the finish line. I was just like, yeah, you become like, you guys have both tried to conceive before. You know how mind-consuming oh, that even is. Even with on a its simple, own.
1: straightforward conception, it is all it's consuming all you can and think the minute about. you go oh we're trying we're just we're, we're not trying but we're not not trying it's like bullshit you've oh. got the app you know yeah. you're but I your must lighting. I
0: must admit that even when I was trying I became completely obsessed when I wanted a third child to a point that if and I assumed because I got so I got pregnant so easily with Mia and Billy that it was going to be so easy with the third and it took I mean this is not a lot for many people, they go years. But Mm. for me, I think it was three to six months that it took for me. Now for that mentally, when I was so obsessed with wanting to be pregnant Mm. and the desire to have another baby, you become obsessed with every second, every ovulation day, Mm. You when you pee on the sticks and you want everything to happen. And then you wait and you are waiting and waiting for that thing to show up. And if it doesn't, like just even me not even having a miscarriage, but having a stick show nothing mm. and going, I have to wait
2: now another month to do all this again. It's the biggest mind fuck. Like And you do go insane. Yeah, you you like, do. You like, become so obsessed. Yeah. And there's not it's and like you said, it's so long. So it's a whole month of going like Oh, we're leading up to the point of trying. We're leading up to a leading up. Okay, we're trying. Okay, do I feel anything? Should I try not to feel anything? Should I just drink like normal? You know, not like I'm a big drinker, but like, should I have a drink at things or should I start taking vitamins? What should I do? Is that a twinge? Was I just nauseous? You know, like,
1: do I feel pregnant or is that PMS? Yeah, exact same God.
2: Should I test or should I wait? Should I wait for my midship? Yeah, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait. Next one. No, no, no. I'm gonna (laughs) test. I'm gonna test. Like all day now. Like I've I've broken the seal. I'm just gonna test forever now. Like. by all the sticks it's so consuming so i was so consumed with not only getting pregnant but then i was like okay but then i also got to hold on to it so yeah it became it, people say oh you know try and relax and it's like uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know that just stresses me up more than not <laughs> not relaxing like <laughs> it's impossible i needed to be pregnant i needed to be pregnant 2 years ago mm. I was like this is the only thing that's going to get me out of where I'm at is getting pregnant and holding on to it. So you went to Melbourne,
0: went you to had Melbourne. Jackson's blood yep. put inside you. You had to wait 2 weeks, go back Four and do it weeks. again. Four Did it weeks. again. Yeah. Yep.
2: So then we're in January now and then after that treatment, our Dr. Nick Lolliges, he's the guy in Melbourne if anyone's curious at Monash IVF, he does this treatment. He also put us on a protocol, but because we're here, we couldn't see it under him. So he was in correspondence with Dr. Keong who would administer this protocol to me. So I was put on prednisolone, which is a steroid to suppress your immune system. There was no reason for the following drugs, but they were just like, let's throw everything at it. So that was Clexane, which is a blood thinner. So that was where you have to inject into your stomach every single night, a blood thinner. I was put on aspirin, progesterone, even though that wasn't found to be an issue. So they're pessaries that you put inside you twice a day. I also had to go up to, I didn't have to, I chose to go up to Monash IVF in Southport with Dr. Keong and have an IV solution called intralipids into my arm every two weeks and they have found actually quite good correlation with this leading to successful pregnancies. It's something they actually do as part of a lot of just regular IVF now. So for whatever reason, that soy-based intralipid infusion is meant to help. So I was doing all these things right as I fell pregnant. So we did one month of trying, didn't fall pregnant. Second month we fell pregnant. I had to be on these medications though the whole time. So the the prednisolone, which was the steroid, was probably had the most side effects. That's the one where I don't know if you've ever seen anyone that gets that like it's called moon face. So you really puff up, you get that really round face at the start when you go on it, you have a lot of insomnia and feel like a bit scatty. Mm. It's kind of like maybe even the first time you start on an antidepressant or something before it settles into your system. So I was already on all these drugs, injecting my stomach and then we fell pregnant the second month, thank God. So it wasn't too long. And that was when lockdown hit. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So it worked well in some ways in that, like I literally got to six weeks pregnant. I was still working, hadn't told anyone at work. I was much more obviously mm. um, nervous mm. to be open with my pregnancies at this point. Even Jackson, like, This pregnancy, like when I found out, I found out at work, I peed on a stick at work, knew I was pregnant. It's not like a feeling of excitement. I didn't call Jackson like, we've done it. I was just like, first call was to the doctor, like we've got to start testing my HCG, like we've got to book in for the next intralipids. Like he found out the shitest way possible. I got home, walked in the hallway, had already had a blood test before I got home, so I had like the cotton wool on my arm idiot hadn't taken it off walk in with illy as well walk down the corridor jackson looks at mom what's that for mouths to meet Are you pregnant and i just go yeah and because illy's right there and so we can't <laughs> say and then like that was it it was the worst finding out ever like we were just like all right just went along with like cooking dinner and whatever else <laughs> give you a hug later <laughs> yeah, yeah but then it wasn't like we just were both like yeah okay you're pregnant but what does that even mean yeah. like there's no like oh so we'll have a newborn at christmas no, and like no, should, yeah. what names could we yeah. think of you just like it's a whole different it's ball game. Like being robbed it's of just, that time isn't it man i it is the most prolonged period of anxiety of stakes that feel like they're life and death for the longest time in that first trimester for me like it's every second of every day your brain's just going am I am I not pregnant is this going to continue on what's my feeling about this like I literally I found it so hard to settle on a thought that I could kind of go okay this is something I can roll with like because you go oh I don't want to be too positive and going I'm pregnant this is going to work blah 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 but you don't want to be pessimistic and going, nah, nah, it's just whatever. It's like all the others. So I literally came up with just saying the sentence, I'm having an experience. And that's what I would repeat to myself over and over when my brain would start flip-flopping going, oh, do I, are my symptoms the same as last time? You sit there like anyone who's Either a pee on a stick addict or gone through <laughs> losses. Like you fucking are testing day after day. I'd make collages on my phone, upping the contrast. Yeah. Is that line darker than yep. yesterday's? You know, you drive yourself crazy. I had a day in like my current, in my last pregnancy with Harvey, which was successful, spoiler alert, but I had a day where my line was probably a shade lighter than the day before. And I convinced myself it was all over. I stopped taking my medication that day. I went to work just sitting there all day at work going, oh, my God, I'm having another miscarriage, blah, blah. Got my HCG results the next day and they were like, no, it's doubled, it's fine. Like you just taught like it's torture. So that was, yeah, a long time of feeling really anxious and it was just a matter of like getting to that scan and we would get to that scan and it was like, okay, a heartbeat. Cool. You'd feel like probably a day of like, oh, it's all good. It's all good. And then the next day for me personally, the worries would start again. And we did that every two weeks, we would have a scan. And every two weeks I'd go through that same ride of like, okay, like it's probably fine, but oh, something still could happen. We both like said to each other, like it was probably not till around 20 weeks in that pregnancy that I actually felt like I wasn't having an out-of-body experience. Like before that, I felt when I would talk about the pregnancy or even hold my belly or people would ask me questions, I just felt like I was making it up. Like I just felt like, I don't know, I'm tricking someone, like this isn't really happening. I felt like I had imposter syndrome for my own body like I felt like the, the words I was saying just weren't true even though I could see and feel him kicking
0: wow oh gosh! Um, do you feel like the
2: kicks was a big milestone that was a good one yeah. because there is I think in every pregnancy everyone knows there's that lull between like for most people morning sickness ending You feel pretty normal again, but you don't have movements. And it's like Yeah, the second trimester can be really scary for people. Yeah. So getting like luckily, I think it was 17 weeks. I started feeling movements with this one. So I was like, okay, cool, that's reassuring. But still, you're like, has it been an hour? Have I felt a kick? You know, like I felt like I knew it was gonna be fine at this point, but I just still um was probably a bit like traumatized from everything that had happened. Of course. And um yeah I think there was a part of me that felt almost like oh like it wasn't my doing or something because I felt like I'd had this whole team of I'd taken these drugs we'd done these things it felt like I I said this to Jackson I was like I feel like it's not mine I feel like it's like the doctor's pregnancy experimental yeah and he was just like I don't feel like that at all no I'm just having trouble like feeling like it's really happening yeah and I was like yeah but we both it was probably around the same point after about 20 weeks that we both went like oh no I'm feeling it more now and he was like yeah like I'm getting super like rushes of excitement Mm. like this is happening and yeah I don't know it was just it was such an overwhelming sense of relief of like how different things could be if I just was back in that place compared to now like I just felt so grateful that that period of my life was over. Like I just, yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it was debilitating. And
0: how yeah. long did you carry him for?
2: So I got to 39 weeks, yeah, nice. and then went into labour with him, yeah.
0: And do you
1: feel like this experience has changed, like your motherhood
2: experience now in any way? Um, I was already like I'm a very mummy mum if that's a word you know I'm really like the only thing about parenting that I really find the struggle is like feeling isolated but the actual having babies like I'm just like I love being a mum yes it has its challenges the sleep side of it you know if baby slept I'd have 10 of them but like for me the struggle is I I find it hard our kind of lack of you know that tribal feeling that community feeling like my dream would just to be to live on a street with like all my friends and yeah. all their babies like that.
1: Absolutely. Honestly, That's my dream too, so I'm let's like, make that happen
2: together. <laughs> if you're getting pregnant, I'm like my number one advice is like go live in a suburb next to someone else who's going to have the same nap schedules as you. Yeah. Like it, it really, you don't see anyone. It Like it can be isolating. But, yeah, to answer your question, I don't, I don't think it really changed my feeling of how I was as a mom, I think I obviously felt a lot more aware of the fragility of life and motherhood and a lot more grateful mm-hmm. that I had had Illy to start with, just a friggin' easy unicorn oh, pregnancy that, that I'd never even known could be different. And then to have been able to overcome what we did and have Harvey, it's. Yeah, I think as a second time mum, anyway, I don't know if you both found this. I felt like a lot less stressed yeah. just the second time. Like it was a lot. Like I was just on cloud nine in those first few weeks. It was yeah, yeah heaven. Like just this, like oh god, the smell of his hair. I know. I feel oh. like
0: you are that. You like when you're saying like you're a mum and you're a nurturer, but overall, you, that is you to a T. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. you, like when you look at you breastfeeding or holding Harvey or even with Illy you just have this like calmness about you that there is nothing in this world you'd rather do than do what you're doing and you've yeah. always been like that so I can't even imagine and I, look we've been friends for a long time I've actually never heard this story yeah. and I I can't even well, I just can't even imagine what you went through mm. with all of this and it sounds like you did a lot of it in silence because yeah. that's the way you coped.
2: Yeah, well, I think it's one of those things where when I'm usually in something I find I struggle to talk about yeah. it whereas after, I like I always knew, I always knew in my head I was like, if I overcome this, I'll shout it from the yeah. rooftops, I'll help anyone Literally, if anyone is going through anything slight, if I can give anyone the slightest bit of advice or that one person to look up or anything that could help them, like I want to do that tenfold. I just couldn't do it while I was in that frozen state because yeah, I- it's frightening, it's terrifying. It's like what I said to Soph about my anxiety or depression. Mm. When I'm in
0: a moment, mm. I don't want to talk about it. Mm. I don't want to. I don't want to hi- highlight what mm. I'm feeling. But once I've gone through it. I am all for sharing yeah. and opening up because I'm not as frightened and terrified as that moment totally. i mean. Yeah,
2: the fear's gone and now it's just like, yeah, I don't know, I'm just like to even be sitting here talking to you guys, I'm just like me two years ago or a year and a half ago would just be lying in bed just going like the fantasy to get to this point.
0: So if you were to have another child, mm. would you have to go down that
2: track or... Would a miracle we happen. We were betting on just going, let's just like go for it on our own. Right. We actually fell pregnant a couple of weeks ago and at the fundraiser on Saturday night, I had a miscarriage. So, oh, so sorry. Okay. It's okay. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to end my story on that because it was like so positive, like we got Harvey, but but now I'm like, oh, but yeah, that's, that's the honest truth. So right now that is what's happening. I'm sitting here talking to you guys and I am bleeding that miscarriage. So I guess that is an answer to us that we probably will definitely need to go down that path again
1: well thank you so much for joining us today and being so open and telling us all about your journey and i think this story will help countless women's Mm -hmm. out women out there to feel yeah less alone and heard and thank you so so much
2: yeah thank you guys for having me i would love nothing more than to help people who are in this same position, whether that's like just someone to talk to or whatever it is, like my inbox is always open.
0: Do you have any
2: advice for anyone that has
0: gone through one miscarriage or multiple miscarriages?
2: I guess what worked for me might not work for someone else, but I really, the only thing that I really craved, like I said, was hearing other people's stories of it. So I would suggest if you feel to, to be open to me, I feel like it's something where I'm like, I don't want to feel like it's something I have to hide and not talk about. Like I honestly, you know, I would have moments where I would be like due to go out for dinner with a group of people or something. And I would have just found out I'm having a miscarriage. And I'm like, is this a moment in life where I have to go, Oh, I can't come to dinner. I'm not feeling well or whatever. Or can I just be like, I'm having a miscarriage. Like, it does happen to people and I think like, yeah, you don't want to be so blasé that you're like, you know, the postman's like parcel and you're like, cheers, I'm having <laughs> yeah. a miscarriage, have yeah. a good day. Like, But um, I think, I don't know, like as always with everything, the more these things are talked about, the more I think it's helpful and it doesn't help everyone. But to me I found it helpful if someone would say to me, I don't think the words like, You know, it happens to everyone, or how far along were you, or were you trying, or yeah, at least this. Don't wrap it up for someone. You know, don't you don't have to give a spin on it. I know it's not out of anything other than care that people do that and an awkwardness of not knowing what to say, but just say, like, how are you feeling?
1: That's really shit. Yeah, that's I'm so sorry to hear that. The same
2: as if you'd broken your leg, you know, not that they're comparable, but like that's a shit thing. How are you feeling? Because if someone said to you they've had a miscarriage, they're probably open to talking more about it. And if you kind of shut them down with one of those wrapping up kind of sentences or you just go like, oh, I'm so sorry, and look down because you find it awkward, which fair enough, you're entitled to, it makes them feel like, oh, okay, i I shouldn't talk let about it. I need to get
1: back inside y- my house yeah, where I need yeah, to be. And yeah, and just for
2: someone to just say, how are you feeling right now? Like I think that's probably all you can do and make them some food.
0: Well, we love you, La, and we could talk to you forever, I think, <laughs> but it is now time to go. So <laughs> thank you so much and we hope everyone enjoyed this. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you.